Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday morning. I'm going to try to do the um, Haftorah now. Today's uh, podcast is being sponsored by uh, Brett Pevin. I think that's Elizabeth, right? This is his dad's yard site. Um, Elio Ben Nochum Shalom Shalom Aliyah. Um, I'm out of uh, sponsors for some reason. Next year is like, next week is all empty. So we'll see. I hope someone steps forward. Uh don't like to be in that situation. Uh, but uh, let's look at it this way. Um, we have very interesting Parsha after this week. But as is always the case, or so often, the Iker Chasim Nasefer. I told you many times the Haftar was designed for edification for the public. Therefore, they don't go into sometimes the best or most compelling parts. So this week, of course, is Yiftach. We all know more, I think, the story of Yiftach, how he shechted his daughter and so forth. But that's not the point that the Parsha wants to talk about. That would have been something too hard for the public to understand because it's too hard for anybody to understand. Instead, they talk about his rise to power or more specifically, um, since... In Parshas Chukas, the Jews under Moses asked to go through Edom, and Edom says, no, you can't. And that takes us back to that era when the Jews had to circumvent um, the uh, uh, intervening countries between where the Jews were in the southern Negev, or approximately, uh, on the one hand, and Eretz Yisrael on the other. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? We all know this, the map of Israel today. <laughs> the Jews were even... After the Raglam, they were roughly in the Eilat area when they were told to go southward. So, you know the map. You could just march northward. Um, it's not that long. And you go straight through the Negev up to Beersheba. And you're in Israel. You're in Judea. So, why don't they do that? Instead, as we all know, starting in this week's Parsha, not ending, but starting in this week's Parsha, the Jews uh, proceed uh, towards Israel. It's the 40th year, after all. And um, they go, again, moving northward in the Negev area. And they want to go through Edom, which is what I just said. Go right through the Negev, and then you're right in Israel. And Edom says, no, and they they have to go around them. And so what they end up doing is moving to the right. And that's the reason that the Jews end up trying to get in Israel, but going into Jordan, on the other side of the Dead Sea and the Jordan River. And uh, as we all know, they never get to Israel. Moshe dies just before the, it's Yeshua's time to get to Israel. And on the way up the um, Jordan side, Jordanian side of the border, as we all know, they uh, have to circumvent uh, Ed, um, Moab and then Ammon. And then when they get to uh, Sichon and Og, which is more or less opposite central Israel, right? You know, the Amer- you know, I'm talking about the central part of Israel, so the opposite side. That's where they fight Sichon and Og. So in other words, let's put it this way. The upper half of the country of Jordan, on the Yarding, and of course they wipe out Sichon and Og and take it over. And this leads, so that's that. 
So this leads to the incident in Naftorah where Amun, many centuries later, just like the Arabs today, the Palestinians, they say, we don't care what you have, we want what was ours. And uh, they went back territory that they lost to Sichon and Og, which the Jews picked up from Sichon and Og. So notice, let's say there's a certain territory. I forget what they say in Naftorah. Uh, Nachal Arnon or something like that. If you Google a map, say, uh, Biblical Israel, right? Biblical Israel. Um, and you look at the Jordan side, you'll see, you know, the Arnon River and the, this river and that river. So a certain part of it used to belong to Ammon. It was lost in one of the wars to Sichon and Og. The Jews, when they picked up, when they conquered the territory of Sichon and Og, Mela got this territory. Uh, the Jews tied finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Amun said, no, we're strong enough, we want to fight and get it back. And that leads to the incident of, of Yiftach. <laughs> because the Jews are off the creek, they don't have somebody to fight back, uh, to lead a war against Amun. And they approach, as we all know, Yiftach, even though he was a Ben Isha Zona, and he was an Amaritz to Raisa, and he was a rough and tough character, and he said he collected... Now maybe, uh, as they say nowadays, he was uh, uh, sinned against more than sinning. You know, his brothers rejected him, his mother was a Zona, you know, it's a you could say today he had juvenile delinquent background. I'm serious, I'm serious. And uh, therefore, the society sinned against him. Uh, but nevertheless, whatever happened, happened. And he collected a gang around him. And a guy like this, and others was used to raiding and killing and this and that and the other. Uh, I hope he killed a guy, not the Jews, who knows. And uh, it's a border territory. The whole Avery is a border territory. You're facing the guy. You're facing Amun, Edom, Mo, Aram. And there was constant fighting back and forth, raids back and forth. And so that bred a whole um, culture of violence. And I think we all know that it says that there, you know, the, the, there are three and three, three Ari Miklat and three Ari Miklat, three in the Ibrahim and the three in, the, in Israel itself. And uh, that's not proportional, you know, the three in Israel size, three Ari Miklat for killers as for what, nine, ten tribes. And then you have on the, uh, the three on the Avrayarian uh, uh, size only for three tribes, two and a half. Unless they say, what does the say? Begil and Nefishi Rodskin. It's a lot of killers in Gil because, like I said, it was a rough and tough border area throughout history. Whenever you have frontiers, I don't want to go into this in great lengths, but whenever you have frontiers of uh, that is that, not settled, uh, so uh, you have violence back and forth, the American Indians and the white men, the uh, Christians and the Muslims. And so you breed violence, because each one tries to outdo the other one in fierceness and violence. And it gets pretty brutal, and Yiftach was part of that culture. And as we all know, the elders of Gil had come to him, and they say, we need you. And he said, you always rejected me. And they say, listen, that was yesterday, we need you, because even um, a violent person has his place. This is what I've said many times. The idea of Claw Yisrael is each person is part of the uh, orchestra. And once in a while, you need a killer too. You get a person, once in a while, you need a person with these skills. Like in the Holocaust, you know, where did they get the uh, the weapons to fight in the Warsaw get? It got from Jewish gangsters. It's a, it's a, it's a claw Yisrael type work. You know, you, you need, the, in certain times, you need people with certain skills. And he had the killing skills, and that's the long and the short of it. Uh, it's just interesting, if you look in the Torah, that um, Yifta was counted as one of the judges. We always count him in the list. And his story is told in the book of Shoftim, the judge, it sounds like he's a judge. I don't know, does it actually say that he judged Israel? What they say in the Pusig is, what they say in the Pusig is, um, 
will make you the head of Gilad, isn't that right? We want to make up with you. And you lead the war against Ammon. And we'll make you the head of Gilad. Gilad is no Lord's Avayarnim. So it doesn't say exactly, I believe, that will make you the shofar of Kali Throb. It sounds like the whole story is an Avayarnim Vart. The only thing is, he crossed the Jordan to go to Mitzvah to have this registered because he didn't trust him. You understand? When they said this, he said, I want you to swear, you know, that you'll keep your side of the bargain. If I win the war, you really make me roast Shifte Gilad because they're afraid they dump him after the battle. If, you, if I go with you, and I win, I'm going to be the chief. I'll be like the king or the judge, the shofi of Dave Rayardin. He never said of Yisrael. We swear by God that we'll do it. And then it says, so on the today. They made him the head. They elected him as like the, the judge, the head. It never used the word shofet. It's interesting. You see, the guy was a tremendous Amaretz. That's why he didn't know that he's not supposed to kill his daughter. So it's always, um, let me put it this way. I have not paid great attention to this in other years, but we always say Yifta Badar, Kishmul Badar. We always um, generalize, and the Yifta is one of the Shoftim, and then you have a very anomalous and weird situation, because here you have the elders of Israel, Sanhedrin of old in the time of the Shoftim, no less, and these are all Talmudic Chacham of once upon a time. Imagine that they really knew their stuff, and here's this guy Yifta, who probably can't read or write much, and because uh, that's not how his career worked out, and then he becomes a shofate, and like, what's he doing there? You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're all talking and learning. He, you know, he's got nothing to contribute. Probably don't know what's following conversation. As uh, somebody once said, you know, if you tell somebody's a total on Mars, you really want to get to heaven, right? And you want to be with all the tzaddikim. What are you going to do there? <laughs> you know, they're going to be talking and learning. It'll be like it'll be like a hell. It's like having a boring shear. Right? It's like having boring shear, you know, and you're compelled to listen to it for the rest of your life. That's that's a hell, right? So, um, uh, so what are we going to do? But in point of actual fact, and I, that's usually the way we think of it, including myself, but I was thinking today and looking at the Psukim, which I know fairly well, it never says he was a shofate. It says he's a Rosh and Kutzin for the Yoshua Gilad. He's the uh, commander-in-chief. The Kutzin is a general. A Rosh and Kutzin. So notice they made him commander of of uh, of the uh, two and a half tribes. Uh, and I, that's just very interesting, okay? Because that would explain that in point of fact, he actually wasn't really the head there. Now, having said that, it's true you have an expression, Yiftach Badar Kishmo Badar, which kind of implies that he was the head of whole Kali Israel. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't quite say that, unless there's a pusik that escapes my attention here. It seems rather that you know he was uh, just a, the Rosh and the Kutim for his for his guys for the short period of time that he was there. Uh, now, once that's so, they go and they register it at uh, Mitzvah or something like that. Notice they cross the Jordan into uh, Israel property. Go, let's say, place where the Mishkan is or something along those lines, and. Um, what do you call it? You know, the Shechina Shechara Rova Tzibor. And they swore. So in other words, they went there 
to register this so that once he wins the battle, if he wins, uh, you know, he won't um, back out. Okay, so far so good. Now comes the very interesting part because it says there's a long letter that Ifta writes to the king of Ammon saying back off. Which to me is extremely interesting because in point of actual fact, uh, what separates the man from the boys? Uh, what's the first thing you learn? I think I'm right about this. I'm not speaking from personal experience. What's the first thing you learn if you take a judo class, karate class, a gun class, right? Krav Maga, you know, any of that kind of stuff. What's the thing, the first thing they're supposed to teach you? I believe the first thing they're supposed to teach you is like this. Don't use this as a hachil, only as a bidi You understand? In other words, suppose your hands are now lethal weapons. Let's just say that's the case. Uh, it's not l'chachil. Get it? Always try to walk away from a fight. Try to get out of a fight. And so on and so forth. You don't pull your gun out. Stamazoi. If all else fails, and you find yourself in a desperate situation, that's a different story. Then, then you need it. You get it? But it's not your first option, it's your last option. You know what I'm thinking of? Uh, did you see that thing? I bet you saw on the, on the YouTube. was last week, two weeks ago, during the war with Gaza. They jumped two guys on 47th Street, didn't I see that? And the guys who even Krav Maga or something along those lines. You know, I mean, that, that that's what you're talking about. You know, it's, uh, you know, because that's a violent situation. These Arab momsers were going to try to, you know, beat them up or who knows what. But ordinarily, you don't do that. So a guy who's a really professional killer and so forth, you do this as a bidiev and not as And so in point of fact, it's just very interesting, the Yiftuk was appointed to be the commanding general, but he doesn't go um, with an army. He first tries diplomacy. So the way we understand it is, he was appointed commander-in-chief. Now he has the power, as Roshan Katsin, to negotiate with the enemy on behalf of the two and a half tribes, uh, he, if he can pull it off, that Amman withdraws, he will be considered successful. It doesn't say you have to go and fight them. If you can make this problem go away, that'll be successful. I'm sure a guy like Yiftoch, let's just say that it would have worked. He would have written a letter, as he did to Amman, in which he said, listen, we picked this up long ago, 300 years ago. Where you been for 300 years? Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And our God gave us this, your God gave us that, and you stay on your side of the border, we stay on our side of the border, and the good fences make good neighbors, and, and, and fine. And then people would say like this, wow, it's a good thing we we elected Yiftach to be the Rosh and the Katsin, because his reputation alone prevented a war. Get it? That would be a, a big achievement on his part. You see, we made the right move, because as soon as they pointed him, the enemy backed off. Um, I'm old enough to remember when they had the Six-Day War, which is, right, these days is the anniversary, June. And uh, and the Arabs were ganging up on Israel and so forth, and they made Moshe the end, the defense minister. Then the Arabs were like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, because they were scared of him, you see? They were scared of him. Now, uh, in that case, a war broke out because Israel wanted it to happen. But they're like, whoa, maybe we should back off. So that's what Yiftel was trying to do. Now, it didn't work. Ahmed said, we're going to fight you anyway. Okay, right? And uh, that finishes off, you know, most of the Haftarah. But, as he says over here, when Am, so then, what 
What's interesting is, That's a very interesting expression. Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, the Rambam would have trouble with this because he says you can only get Navua if you are educated and this and that. In other words, the, the qualities that a Maimonidean perspective would require for attaining prophecy in Ruchat Kodesh are exactly what Yiftuk did not have. Uh, but you don't have to go like the Rambam. Anyway, he had, if you want to be firmly about it, I'm serious, you could say he had the Zechus of Kalisrael and so forth. Or he rose to the occasion. It's just very interesting, right? It's, it's just very interesting that it would, it would be like that, okay? Uh, now, um, but it says Ruch Hashem. So that's just, in, you know, he got like a Popeye charge. And basically like this, listen, I didn't want to battle. You guys wanted to battle. I tried to call the whole thing off. I tried to talk peaceful. But, but, you want to mess with me? Okay. Right? So he said like this, I've been around my share of fights, my fights. I tried to be nice about it. You want to fight? Okay, we'll have a fight. And then he busted down, right? But of course, before he went there, and it's in this week's part, uh, Haftorah, so he says, And he like circumvented. He's going to attack Amon from a direction that they didn't expect, and that's why he's going to win. Okay? And that's why he's going to win. Um, I told you, when it comes to fighting, he knows his stuff. But of course, he makes his famous uh, vow that whatever comes out of the house, I'll shacht. I'll do it for carbon Allah. And then, see, he was a nicey, nice guy in the negotiation phase. But once the negotiations failed, he attacked. You know, see, he didn't go on defensive, he went on offense. Okay? And he busted him. He destroyed 20 cities. No, he went through them like Sherman through Georgia. But Ad Abel Krami, Maka Gedolamog. Maka Gedolamog. So you see, that's, like I say, a real professional. I didn't want to fight. It was up to me. We could have settled this like, gentlemen, you stay on your side, you stay on our side, and everything. You want to mess with me? Right? It'd be the biggest mistake you ever made. And the Ammonites were humbled. That is to say, they had to surrender. So they were big shots, big, big mouths. They thought they were going to win. And they were, you know, talking, 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 big mouse, the uh, Amon. And now Vayikon Israel. But once they met Yiftach, they changed their tune. Okay? Now that's where the, uh, basically, the uh, story ends for this week's Haftorah. As we know, I think you know this, or you should, uh, the story of Yiftach is not over over there. You have two parts. Uh, one is that he ends up shackling his daughter. Okay? Which is a crazy story. Which makes no sense to me, Adiyamazeh. And then you have um, his fight with Ephraim, which is like anticlimactic. Climatic. Uh, let me deal with that first. Once the battle is over, um, so then the tribe of Ephraim comes out of hiding. So let's put it this way they did not show up for the battle, but they want to come in for the spoils. It's not even for the spoils. I don't think Giftuk would care about that. Doesn't come across to me like that type of guy. They were angry at Yiftach and they gave him lip. See, they gave him lip uh, in a disgusting way. Uh, to to join the battle after it's over, that's very common in history. Uh, I just saw yesterday, don't ask me why, I had to give, <laughs> I shouldn't even bring this up, but I had to give a talk somewhere about the Duke of Marlborough uh, for something for college, and uh, who's one of the greatest of the British generals, and at the Battle of Ramillies, 
<laughs> I shouldn't even, whatever. And the and Ramillies, which was his biggest victory in seventeen oh six, all the German allies were supposed to show up, and they didn't. And so he won the battle, and he beat the French very badly. That was his biggest smash of the French. And this is on Belgium. And then after the battle, when he proceeded to conquer Belgium, then the Germans and the others show up, you know, uh, uh, to, to collect the goodies, to be there on the victory. That's very common. If the tribe of Ephraim simply would do that, all right, you know, that happens. But they gave him a, a lot of big mouth, and he, he wasn't in the mood for it. That's not the type of guy he was. That the tribe of Ephraim came north, meaning they went to Yiftach after the battle's over, right? Um, so let's put it this way. I'm going to reconstruct it as best as I understand. Yiftach sent a letter. Now he's been appointed commander-in-chief, if you wish, dictator of the Avery He's got a security threat on his hands of Amon. Uh, invasion. He asked the Jewish people to help him. As we'll see in a second, nobody came. He collected his own guys in Avery Yardin. He collected whoever he got. And he just said like this, we ain't waiting for the war and so on. It's like the story of, what's the name? Akitofo, you know, and, and Hushai. He said, let's hit him now. Get it? Because he was a good general. I'd rather have a small force and hit him now when they're not expecting it than wait till the Jews show up, which could take forever. And meanwhile, Amun will have the um, initiative. What a good, this is what a good general Yiftuk was. And so, basically, by the time others showed up, um, which was the tribe of Ephraim, the war was over. You yeah, the war was over. Uh, my wife's magazine, The Where Went and When, they just had an article about uh, the Six-Day War. You know, memories and all that. And I remember seeing, I think it was R.E. Gross, who dives on my show. You know, he was in the army, but then he was in America during the war. And he said, I'll come back and fight in your army, uh, you know, to go back to join the Sahal again. But, the, you know, within a few days, they said, we don't need you. It's over. Yeah. So that's how fast Yiftach moved, according to the logistics of 3,000 years ago. He moved fast. So by the time Ephraim shows up, the war's over. But, and, and meanwhile, just to give you an idea of Jews, Ephraim said, like, listen, we're not even close to the Yardin. We mustered an army. We did our uh, drills. Uh, we got everybody drafted. We got we appointed the officers. We organized the logistics, the food and everything. Then we marched from Ephraim across the Jordan. And then the war's over. <laughs> so what do we do with all this for nothing? Now, they should have said, you know, Baruch Hashem. Get it? Baruch Hashem. Who's the luckiest guys? The ones that were drafted in 1945. Get what I'm saying? A guy who got drafted. I know, by the way, it used to be Henry P. Cohn. I knew a guy in Baltimore. He got drafted like in the middle of 45. By the time he finished the basic training and all this junk, the war was over. Good. Right? That's what Ephraim should have said. But that's not, but they weren't in that mood. Basically, why don't you wait for us? Right? And they were so angry at him, they gave him lip. They said, We're going to burn your house down around you with fire. We're going to kill you. Now, did they mean it? I don't know if they mean it, but they were messing with the wrong guy. Uh, previously, they had Gideon, the same kind of thing happened, and they said, why didn't you wait for us and all that? And Gideon, the, who was a chauffeur of Kal Yisrael, by the way, not just the commander-in-chief of the uh, Yard, and Gideon came from a noble family, not from an ignoble birth like uh, Yiftach, and so Gideon decided to be very diplomatic, I always use this example, and Gideon said, I guess, 
Oh, I apologize to the tribe of Ephraim. You're right. I'm wrong. I never forgive myself. How could I avoid this? You know, like you forget to invite somebody to bar mitzvah. So, oh, I'll never live this down. I feel terrible. Please forgive me. And so on and so forth. And he said, you Ephraim guys are much better than I am. Uh, because they only showed up after Gideon had already defeated the uh, Moab, the Midianites. But Gideon said, oh, you won the battle, not me. And in his famous expression, the worst grapes, the worst grapes of Ephraim are better than the best grapes of Gideon. You know, you know he, he kissed them wherever he needed to kiss them, and uh, they were appeased. So they thought they'd get some kind of answer like this out of Yiftach. He mentioned the wrong guy. I was fighting the Ammonites. And I asked for you to come, and you didn't show up. You didn't help me. So basically, you guys said you're going to take six months to train, and another six months to get the food. I got no time for that. My side, you didn't show up. And I saw you're not helping. I took my life in my own hands. So I collected whoever I got from my own guys. And I attacked Amab. And I won it. So to fight the enemy, to fight the guy, you didn't show up. And to fight me, you show up? So basically he said, the Yiftel said to these guys, you can all drop dead. And he was so angry at them that he killed 40,000 of them. I'll say this again. Yiftel, who was a Jew, killed 40,000 from the other Jews. That's the other story. So um, you see the type of character he was. Now, in between these two stories is the story of uh, him and his daughter. Which makes no sense, you know. He said, "I'll, I'll, I'll I know you know this. I'll shecht it. Whatever comes out of the house first. Holly see Ola. I've offered up as an Ola, and the daughter came out first. And he's, oh, Ve, what's going to be with me? And so on and so forth. Now, the problem, of course, with the story is that they were in mourning, and he went to kill it, and he killed her. Uh, now, uh, that's crazy. A netter like that doesn't count. You don't need me to tell you that." On many levels. But you can't kill somebody for a nether. And yet, there's all these funny... Before, and now to this day, I've never seen a good shot. And I opened up this new book I have. I told you about Hanach, or Aloha, whatever. See if he has anything on the subject. And then he does. He brings the usual suspects. But he had a very good line. I love this. From the Yad David. Zin time, you know, the chief rabbi of France in the time of Napoleon. I did a podcast in him. He was a real guttle. And I love this because he said, this is the Yad Dover talk. He was one of the Gedolia during the time of the Psalm Sofer, let's say, and he says, this is a quote from the Yad Dover in Tainus. It says, Sof Dover, Bechol Hatzdodim, Ein Ono Yecholim Lamod Al Sof Dover Zer, Demaisi Yiftach, Ad Yavo Meretzedek. He says, there's no good shot to Yiftach story. Doesn't make any sense. I'm waiting for Mashiach to come explain this. You know, Elian Navi. Uh, he's right. That's exactly how I feel. I've seen all kind of answers and whatever, and they never misyash all does. You know, the famous Gemara, he could have gone bin Mater Neder, and, you know, the Kohen Gadol said, I'm not going to do it, he should come to me, and the Yiftah says, I'm not doing it, he come to me, and each one stood in his own honor, and therefore the daughter died. That's nuts. You don't need to be Mater Neder. You get it? Mater Neder means there's a Neder, and you have to find a Pesach. You have to find some way out. That's one way of doing it. But there are plenty of things. You don't need a Tars and Dharma. He was an Amaris. He just simply didn't realize. That's what it seems like. He simply didn't realize. Uh, you know, he said, I'll shecht whatever comes out of the house. The daughter doesn't count. You, you understand? I, me, myself, I. I can't make a net. I can make the following net if I want to. Listen to me. I can say, 
that if I don't do this, then I'm going to make something up. If I don't dab in chakras tomorrow and show, I won't eat oranges for a month. I can make a letter like that if I wanted to. Uh, and that ought to count. But I can't say the following. If I don't go to show tomorrow morning, you know, my brother-in-law can't, can't eat oranges. So I can't make a letter on him. Right? Only for me. Second of all, I can't make a netter to kill somebody. Hallelujah. My daughter comes out, I'll shecht her. You can't shecht nobody. You say, what's well, a carbon? There ain't no carbon. We're nuts. You can't shecht a person. Right? Now, if I know it, why didn't he know it? And if you tell me he did not know it, why didn't somebody else? Listen, I'm not the smartest guy. To know that much, people knew at that time. The old gill or the whole cloud you throw, nobody knew. Right? If you wanted to make a friend for life out of Yiftach, any of you listening out there should have gone to him, traveled, and said like this, I got good news for you. You don't have to kill your daughter. The halach is it doesn't count. So and nobody told him. Right? Nobody told him. And uh again, I found this year a nutty, a crazy carbon uh, uh medish tachum. Makes no sense to me. At the end of a Kukosai. And there dog the Ramban and others suggest that he thought it was a cherum and it counts, it's like you wipe out a city. What about your daughter? Which was wrong. You know, they, they try to figure out some justification for it. I'll tell you at the end of the day, none of these commentaries make sense to me. Maybe I'm not so smart. Make no sense to me. You can't make a nether to kill somebody. And you don't need a Hattaris Nadarm on that. You get it? There are plenty of things you don't need a Hattaris Nadarm. If I say, you know, I'm going to eat treif, you don't need a Hattaris Nadarm. Correct? So, guess what? Which is a bigger sin? Eating treif or shechting somebody? <laughs> you know what I mean? Shechting your daughter. What are you going to tell me? Because in the Middle East, they own the daughter. That's nuts. Right? You don't own your daughter to kill her. So, I don't get it. And I found, uh, when this guy pointed out something, I never saw this medish before. I know the Midrashim pretty well. That's an area of mine. Uh, I know the Midrashim better than the Midrashim, but I know the Midrashim fairly well. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. But anyway, I have, uh, is this Midrashim at the end of Vayikra, on Bechukosai. And look at this. They have a whole version of the story. I consider this remarkable. It tells the story. His daughter came out, you know, and she said, what are we going to do over here? So according, they have a, a, quite a, a, a conversation here between the, the father and the daughter. And none of this is in the Haftarah today because they don't want to bring that story out and make them look too bad. You can't explain it. If I can't explain it after studying it for years, how is somebody long ago when they read the Haftarah for the Hamonim, how are you going to explain the story of Yiftach and his daughter? They would think like the guy was nuts. And it says like this. Um, first they tell the story that he wouldn't go to Pinchas and all that. So this is projecting a rabbinic mentality onto Yiftach. A, a Talmud doesn't go to Amaretz. That's a Talmudic sensibility. And Yiftach Amar, and he wrote Shifta Yisrael, Roshak Simon. Ashwil Asmi Elech El Hedyak. I can't go to, to, to somebody beneath me, which will be him. No, that's not the interesting part. Here's the interesting part, okay? Um, listen to this. This is a Medrash Tanchumo, right? It's Chazal at the end of Chukosai. And it says, Omer Lobito, so according to this version of the story, there are many versions of the story. According to this one, the daughter said, Ovi, I went out to greet you joyfully. You want to shech me? Is there in the Torah human sacrifice? So now the daughter knew that, right? Is a human sacrifice? All you have is animal sacrifices. 
Amr lo abitim, so the father, Yiftach, said to the daughter, no darti, I made a netter, whatever comes out of the house, Hashem Zorla, if I made a netter, I got to keep it. A noder has to keep his netter. The daughter said, no, he doesn't. Armelo, according to this, the daughter said, Yaakov swore to give Meiser. Right back in the Chumash. He had 12 sons. Did Yaakov offer one of his 12 sons as a Meiser? Or Chana? Now, here's anachronistic, but anyway, Chana said, if if you will give me a child, I'll give him to the Lord. Did Chana give baby Samuel as a carpenter? She brought him to serve as as, as a, a worker in the Mishkan, not to kill him. She proceeded with all these arguments. So no, she didn't want to die. But lo, Shamalo, when she said, he saw the father's not listening. This is a crazy story. Let me go ask Hashalah by the Sanhedrin. Okay? Maybe find a Pesach. Now, as I told you before, you don't even need a Pesach. But let's assume that he and his daughter were not highly learned. So she at least knew that much, which is, you know, if you have a, a question with that, don't go to the rabbi. Maybe you can figure something out. Because that, and according to the Medrash, that's what it means, what she said, let me go to the mountains. The mountains would be the great rabbis. Okay? Uh, okay? Uh, so she went to the, according to this story, she went to Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin. And they couldn't find a Pesach. What the heck is this going on over here? We have Pesach. And this whole thing is anachronistic because it says, that uh, uh, and the H. Yosef goes crazy with this. Anaf Yosef, uh, since he killed 40,000 Jews, I'm not talking about the enemy that he defeated in this Haftorah, but the subsequent fight with the Ephraim group that he killed 40,000, which they provoked. I want to say, like, they said, We're going to burn your house down over your head. So he said, You and what army, you know, and he wiped him out. So, because that was a terrible sin, it's the opposite of being a Jewish leader. Um, so God arranged it, according to this Medrash, that they should have intellectual blackout, and the Sanhedrin couldn't find a Pesach for the Nether. Right? Um, that's why the Pesach says, Gever Rosh Oshik Dalim, Matusach Vein Lechem. It's like a Pesach. It's a Yiftach, Shay Rosh, but Torah could grow. Yiftach was impoverished in Torah knowledge. Oshik is a Dalim, and he killed a lot of Jews, Chiltam, and therefore. There was nobody to, to be matter in the nether. Sheheli ma'kadosh baruch hu menus alocham shaloyimsa pesel lahatir snidro olavas shachta. Therefore, he went and shechted him, which means God arranged it. They should shecht his daughter because the father did something wrong. Was the father doing something? Why should the daughter be punished? This is a medrash makes literally no sense to me, uh, and it goes on. And the medrash goes on later to say mi garm liyiftach sheyakriv is bito shalohi ben torah. In the KV, you know, it's uh, or whatever. So at least this version of it, and this is a not a Rishon or an Achram, this is a Medrash. They're making it sound like Imam Shachter, and for, nobody could figure out, you know, Pesach on the Neder. So forget, forget Pinchas. 
Forget that story. According to this, she Taka went to save her life to to the Rosh to the head of Sanhedrin. Why didn't the Sanhedrin tell her right away what you and I know, which is, honey, you have nothing to worry about. Your father is on Mars. Fortunately, he'll be happy to hear that, and he doesn't have to k- kill you, right? Giftach should have been happy to hear that his whole that it was based on a misconception. He would say, "Woo, I'm glad. I'm glad I I didn't know, and I'm glad she asked the question." Um, and it doesn't say that. So we end up with uh, a, a very fascinating human story of this guy who had his positive side and negative side. The positive side is, he, but it doesn't say that he was a shofate. I'll say it again. We always count him as one of the shoftim, but it just says he was the Russian that could sing for the Zikni Gilad. And it doesn't sound like he sat in council with the Sanhedrin guys, all the rest of it, uh, because it sounds like he was very um, divorced from that. So he's a, an enigmatic figure. And uh, I conclude, as I've said before, with the words of the Yad David, Sof Davar, Bechol Hatzdodim, Ein Ani Yichon Lamad Al Sof Davar Zedem, I say Yiftach, Ubito Ad Yobamuritzedek. He said, we'll never have a good Mahalach on this until Muritzedek, until Mashiach comes. Um, I don't know about Mashiach comes, but I, I find this a very hard parsha. Now you know why this is not in the Haftorahs, because they don't want to include Haftorah material that the public was like, well, what's going on over here? It makes no sense, right? And the story talking makes no sense. And so rather they just share with us the part about Yiftach defeating the Ammonites. That's Yiftach, Yiftach up and not Yiftach down. Anyway, that's just a very interesting to consider this Yiparsha. If you can come up with a good interpretation, I don't believe you can. That's probably impossible. But if you think you can come up with something good, because it's a hate, right? Uh, if, you have, if you have something that makes sense, uh, uh, then you could email me or something. I don't think you'll find it. I mean, not, nothing makes sense with him and the daughter. I know they're on bond and the other things. And, and at the end of the day, nothing really sits well or makes sense with it. But it's a fascinating story. Anyway, once again, I thank uh, Brett Pevin for um, sponsoring. I hope somebody will step forward for next week. As is, we have a blank slate. And with that, I wish you a good, wish you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.